a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Ian. Well, why don't we pray as we get to our passage? Heavenly Father, we thank you for those simple words. I am the good shepherd. Lord, as we explore this passage a little bit this morning, carrying on our series in John's Gospel, we pray that you touch our hearts, you stir our passion, and you move us to action. Amen. How is your flock, vicar? It's something that I occasionally get asked, kind of mostly tongue-in-cheek by people, but it's harking back to a, a worldview that once was. But actually, it is a biblical view of leadership over the people of God. It is how the Pharisees would have seen themselves from the Old Testament ways of looking at things over the people of God. You see, they were the leaders of God's people. At home, we have a wild beast. Some of you may have met him. Spurgeon was perfectly trained in every single way when he was a puppy, and yet he lives like a feral, untamable animal. It's not our fault. We were perfect trainers, uh, but he, something inside him is just wrong, and he cannot control himself. We also live with a child who is confident and sure of himself, but he lacks the experience and training to do what his head tells him he should be able to do easily. If Ezra is handed a bowl of food, he'll happily carry it along, simply like this famous clip. Let's have a look and see if this works. Chicken, is that the quickest? It's no wonder this place is empty. You may have missed a key point in that. Let me show you one more time, just as we get there. Chicken, is that the quickest? It's no wonder this place is empty. Bit messy, but you get the point. 
You see, Ezra, he, he thinks he's carrying a bowl perfectly, but he, he just drops it out everywhere. It's not actually worth giving him a bowl of food to carry. But he's confident in that he thinks he can. But he doesn't know how to do it well. See, of course, for Ezra, that means that our dog gets the food. He gets the lunch. Ezra's blind to what's happening in the bowl. His eyes are focused elsewhere. And we might as well just put the food in the dog's bowl. Ezra's eyes are elsewhere, normally to the table. Going to take the food all the way there, sit down and stick it in my belly. But by the time he gets there, the dog's got the whole lot. Ezra is a poor shepherd of the food. His eyes are not focused on the food. His eyes are focused on himself, getting there to the table in him. He's distracted from the role of shepherding the food all the way to the place where he can eat. Well, this is what God says in a stark passage in Isaiah chapter 56. God speaks to the dog. He speaks to the wolves, the wild beasts. He just invites them to come and get the sheep. Because the shepherds are blind. Listen to this. A few verses from Isaiah 56. Come, God says, all you beasts of the field. Come and devour all the beasts of the forest. Israel's watchmen are blind. They all lack knowledge. They lie around and dream. They love to sleep. They're shepherds who lack understanding. They all turn to their own ways. They seek their own gain. They say, come. Let's get wine. Let's drink our fill of beer and tomorrow will be just like today or even better. It's to these leaders, these blind shepherds, that Jesus speaks as he begins our passage. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, Pharisees, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. God's people, Jesus speaks to their leaders. They think they know God better than anyone. And the Pharisees have abused their duty in the treatment of the blind man that we saw two weeks ago in our sermon from Dan in the passage before. Straight out the back of that passage where they abuse this man, they forget about him, they try and trap Jesus. And Jesus leads into an explanation of what a shepherd is, what a good shepherd looks like. He gives five ways that a shepherd is to be over the flock. One, shepherds are to enter by the gate, verse 2. And then points 2, 3, and 4, all from verse 3. The sheep, they listen to that shepherd's voice. Point three, he calls the sheep by name. The shepherd knows them. He's focusing on the sheep to know their name. They listen to his voice. And also, these shepherds, point four, lead them. They, he leads them out. And from verse four and point five, the sheep follow because they know his voice. In contrast, Jesus, Jesus puts out these thieves and robbers. If they haven't entered from the gate, 
thieves and robbers enter by another way. If they don't enter by the gate, then they are not the real shepherd. They don't have the key. They're not going in 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 an easy fashion, a normal way. They're thieving and they're robbing. They're setting themselves up as leaders over these sheep, but the, the sheep will not follow. The sheep will not hear. The sheep will scatter. In contrast, they're false shepherds. And as a result, the sheep haven't listened. Verse 8, read with me of John chapter 10. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And so they run away. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus is saying the point of the shepherd is a personal relationship with the sheep. Voices listening. Familiarity. This is what makes Jesus the good shepherd. The Pharisees were so dedicated to following the rules so dedicated to judging people for behavior and not dedicated to the character of God. Relationship. And don't get me wrong, we need to take note of right things. Shepherds are not necessarily gentle people. They have a hard task. There are boundaries set up for the goodness of the sheep. But it's not the boundaries that hold the heart. It's the shepherd. The shepherd in the first century Israel is the kind of shepherd that these people are thinking. It's not the idyllic Yorkshire countryside with lots of fluffy, big, fat sheep everywhere. This is hard terrain, looking for pasture. And these sheep, they trust the shepherd, but the shepherd has some pretty hard things to be doing. How do you make a sheep learn to follow the crowd if they're particularly disobedient? Well, the story goes that if one sheep wouldn't follow the crowd kept going a different way, then the shepherd would break the leg of the sheep so that they couldn't run away. But that sheep wasn't left to die, wasn't just left lame. That sheep would then be carried on the shoulder of the shepherd for however many miles, however many days, however many weeks and months until that sheep learnt that its safety was in the shepherd. This was a learning experience for the sheep who learns pretty quickly the authority of the shepherd, the power he has, the goodness of his will, his willingness to teach the sheep its need for protection, to be burdened by the sheep for many miles, a willingness to do so, and that there's safety in their arms. And once that sheep is healed, Having been on the shoulders of the shepherd, it learns to know its need, to trust the shepherd and stay close. This is the good shepherd. In contrast to shepherds who are simply shouting rules and stoning people, judging people when they go astray, leaving them to death if they don't follow the ways they want. It sheds light on the goodness of God in the moment can seem so difficult to understand why life can be hard but actually that picture enables us to see God's good will over time over experience over our need and our weakness for him the good shepherd is one who knows his sheep 
The good shepherd is one who's willing to sacrifice for them, to lay down his life for them. The good shepherd is one who cares enough to keep the sheep together and lead them to safety, to food, through relationship. The sheep hear his voice, verse 3. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus said to them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Sheep feel safe according to the proximity of their shepherd, not the boundary wall of the sheepfold. And then we see Jesus mix metaphors here, but he's allowed to do that. He is God. He informs these Pharisees this door that they have to go through, the gate, is him. With reflections to John 14, these people have been trying to trap Jesus, to kill Jesus, to get rid of Jesus. And he says, if you're a good shepherd, you have to go through the door, through me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life we see in John 14, and we'll, we'll cover that in a couple of weeks' time. But no one goes to the Father except through him. No one should be the shepherd of the sheep except through him. If you don't go through the door of Jesus, then you are a thief and a robber. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. I'm the door, verse 9. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Salvation through the door, in and out, freedom and food. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. Verse 10, the most famous of verses. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What is life in abundance? He's explained. Salvation Freedom and pasture. Life. The way, the truth and the life. What do you want in life? The only way to find life abundantly is through the door. And that door, Jesus says so clearly, is him. And so a thief and a robber who doesn't come into the sheepfold via the door, via Jesus, is a thief and a robber. That puts a stark reality into the Pharisees' minds. What Jesus is saying is unless they go through him as the access point to the people of God, they're, they're not part of the flock. They're not a shepherd of the flock. But that's their identity. That's who they've grown up to be. That's who they've sat at the feet of great rabbis for years to be, a shepherd of the flock. And Jesus is now saying if they don't go through him, this clearly weird, mad person, then they're not going to be the shepherd they thought they were. This is offensive to what they've built their lives on. And of course, it's true. The gospel offends everything we build our lives on if it's not him. We find it hard to understand today. But in that, when we humble ourselves to, to, to look into what that looks like, what we find, friends, what we find, church, is life in its fullness. Life abundantly. And that can be there for you, for me, and we, we live it from now until eternity. We can see it in our churches today, though, can't we? The flock is open. Sheep can be found and, and brought into the sheepfold. 
under the loving care of the shepherd. That's our aim. Our aim is not to add to our numbers or convert the world. Our aim is to invite the world, convert the world into the kingdom of life in its fullness. That's the reason. We love it. We know him. We want to introduce people to the door, the access point. But we also know that if people don't know the door, if people don't love Jesus in our church, then they're not part of the church. Even if they've been sitting in our buildings for decades, it's a hard reality. But it's true. Unless we know this personal shepherd, unless we're willing to sit under his authority, to understand that he is good, we're not part of the good flock. He's the door to life and people can jump in but they can steal, they will steal, they will kill, and they will destroy. If they don't come through the door, the rot begins in the church. And this is the opposite to life in its fullness, having life abundantly. That's why Jesus has come. No other reason. That's the first bit of our passage, as he, he says this offensive thing to the Pharisees, and he invites them to come through the door. And then we see verse 12, he talks about a hired hand. And this is the second section of our passage. Verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares not for the sheep. Jesus now changes the scene. The shepherd isn't there, but he's hired somebody in to look after the sheep whilst he's away. And Jesus continues the imagery of the sheep. And he explains that somebody who's a hired hand is there for money for that they're getting that day. They don't own the sheep. don't care about the sheep. And when trouble comes, they run. Someone asked me the other day what animal I was like. And I wish I'd gone down the biblical route and said sheep, but I'll admit I didn't. Uh, We settled on bear, but that's a whole different story. We are all sheep but we have different authorities over us. Depends which sheepfold we're in, which pen we have moved into. The hired hand Jesus speaks of is here a reference to the devil overseeing people. It seems a a little bit stark, a little bit different, and and it is. He's using this imagery to move things on. The devil is a hired hand. He's in it for himself and he oversees people. Remember from a couple of weeks back, Jesus says, it's, it's me or him. People think we're free and the greatest lie the devil has ever told is that he doesn't exist. That famous quote says, well, we do have a hired hand over the world and in that we follow him, but he cares not for us. He's in it for himself. He cares nothing for the sheep. He just cares about what he's getting out of it. Glorifying himself. That's what he does. He, he leaves us to the wolves. He allows for those under his care to be attacked and beaten up spiritually. By our own worship of false gods, our breathless deities, we always find ourselves under the power of the devil whether we know it or not. Mostly we don't. And this will be fully shown in the life that we end up with in eternity. There is the option of life in abundance under the good shepherd, not the hired hand. 
The world is scattered, friends. This is what the devil does. He runs away, scatters the sheep. He doesn't actually care for them. We're scattered. The world is, is scattered under the standard identity of the sheep who end up under a hired hand. Under the leadership of somebody who doesn't actually care. It's not what the good shepherd does. We're living in a world today that is revealing the cracks of the sheepfold of the hired hand. I just want to bring up, friends, um, 13 days ago, a far too common event happened in Minneapolis in the United States of America. You probably know the story. If you don't, you should. A black man was violently restrained, starving his brain of oxygen, leading to death whilst he was in custody. Disgustingly, this is commonplace across the world, including Great Britain, especially London, and very close to where we are. The death of George Floyd has moved many to wake up to this clear division that we have amongst people. We have many divisions. We're scattered in many ways, but there is a clear one. The black community is finally being joined by all other communities across the world, speaking up against injustice, hatred, inequality, and silence. We've had many battles in the West over the years about racial inequality and equality but there are still many issues that we hope I pray are being moved to a place where we can deal with them properly as humanity and not just quietly hope things get better the white community which is our western countries which in our western countries we love to allow people to have a voice but often it does so in the most deafeningly silent of ways Stepping out of unity with our family and friends, people of color, we don't look as if we are the same. We stand silently going, well, it doesn't really affect me. Perhaps not always in the right ways, but, but perhaps now is the time for us to carry a burden. We haven't done this en masse for a long time, and now we should try People are apologizing. People are waking up to the massive distance between lived experiences within the very same street. Societies that began democracy, societies that pride themselves on equality for all, societies that are too often run by successful white people that have never had conversations with the average person of color on the street, have never asked what it's like to live as a person in 2020. They tell people that we're equal while silently and excusably, ignorantly, overseeing a system that pushes colour to the bottom. From the top to the bottom, church, the world is scattered, is disrupted, is ununified, being killed, being destroyed. This is the identity of the world we live in because we fail to have a good shepherd. We don't have a good shepherd as humanity. We say we do. We like to think we do. But now it's time to speak up. We must listen. We must fight injustice, black and white, rich and poor, of any colour across the world, of all gender, be led in unity by those who know what inequality looks like, standing side by side with humanity's needs, yearning for real community, longing for life in its fullness. 
We have to stand together. We as the church across the world, we know the way to find this life is through the door. We know this. We have this. And we can, we can go out and we can do all sorts of things and try and bring equality, and we should, but not for the sake of equality, but for the sake of showing people what real equality looks like under a good shepherd. We do have the higher ground here because we know the truth. But we're not to lord that. We're to show that. By choosing the good shepherd who knows us all, knitted us together in our mother's wombs. He knows us intimately. He knows our fights. He knows our pains, our isolation, our weaknesses. And he weeps with those who weep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Our good shepherd is the one who sees reality as it is, who's never stayed silent and lives today loudly speaking triumphantly with a message of unity, away from the hired hands who cares not for you or me, protected from the wolves who scatter, kill and destroy. As a church, therefore, let's stand side by side, yes, in our own failings and our injustices, which we are guilty of, but we're to hold a banner knowing the truth of love of the good shepherd who takes this disastrous life we're living and offers us life in its fullness. And I ask you, church, and Andrews, please help in building a church that invites and welcomes all people to know the good shepherd as equals. A church that's vulnerable with each other, open and willing to learn, willing to be challenged, and stands up for the injustice for no other reason than that's what the gospel does. It can't be done well without a real and passionate zeal for the good news of Christ. See, Christ touched untouchables. He sat with the wrong people. He ate with those society called disgusting. He told the truth of the need for salvation, offending so many people. He leveled us all to the position of need in need of him. As we end, let's just reflect that the good shepherd knows more than we do. The good shepherd has more in common with George Floyd than many. Jesus himself was captured with little evidence, killed unjustly. He knows George. He knows you. He sees your heart, the injustice against you. He sees your prejudice. He sees my prejudice. He sees your struggle to match things up. He sees your needs, the small needs, the big needs. He knows his own. And the offer is for his own to know him. And by his strength, he's bringing in sheep. There's joy. He's building the church he wants, spiritual brick after spiritual brick into a spiritual house and will be added to people, people who are different to you. Your churches should not be monochrome. Different to you, different to me in many ways. But one thing is similar. One thing unifies. We know the voice of the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own. 
and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that aren't of this fold that I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. I'm the door. Pharisees were in the sheepfold. They were leading it, but they refused to go via the door. Jesus. They refused to humble themselves to the word of God. But Jesus. He calls them out as thieves and robbers, stealing life from people. There's no leadership. There's no shepherding. You might as well just toss people's lives to the wolves, stick the food in the dog bowl. But we're leveled out by the love and the grace of the good shepherd unifying the scattered people of the world and therefore our message as church needs to be that we are unified in the gospel we know what it's like to be humbled and equal under the banner of life in its fullness a life that continues from the moment you enter the door and forever more. This is eternal. This is well past the few years that you will ultimately spend here on earth, well into the future. Hold out, church. We fight now for unity in the world because of the gospel, not because of anything else. We need to fight for unity in the church because this is obedience to Christ. And one day it will be all over where goodness and love will reign and every tear will be wiped from our eyes. And so when the world is, is trying to work out what on earth things should look like, when the West is, is struggling with COVID and lockdown, the world struggling with COVID, the West has this extra thing kicked in where we start to, to riot and start to protest, every tear will be wiped from our eyes. We need to preach real equality under God. Friends, I ask that you help us do this well. And we can only do this by the power of the Spirit living in us. And so let's pray. And let's continue to be under the guidance, under the rule, under the authority, under the grace of the Good Shepherd. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your love that you bothered to come, you bothered to challenge by your grace, you said, I'm going to call my sheep home. Father, we thank you that you laid down your life for the sheep, that you are a good shepherd who teaches us to be close to you, who teaches us your voice, who speaks to us, Lord, who draws us in by the, by the power of your spirit into the sheepfold where life happens in its fullness. Lord, may we listen to this unlike the Pharisees. May we listen to this unlike the leaders who were arrogant enough to say, "Now nah, let's kill him. May we grow, Lord, in so many ways so that we can be a light to the world through your identity and through your power. Amen. Friends, we're going to move into a time of worship. This is where you can uh, ring for prayer. I'd love, I'd love to invite you to. But we're going to just sing about God's love, which is seemingly so reckless. But that's from our point of view. Seems reckless. Why would he bother? <laughs>